to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. The A-League women's season, the regular season, is done and she was chaotic until the very end. Some absolutely wild results in amongst the weekend's action, but we now have our premiers, we have our final four set in stone and there's just lots of really fun things to talk about, so we can't wait to crack in. Before we do, though, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you have me, Marissa Lordanik, Sam Lewis, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian Wilkes. So, friendos, let's get into some you love to see it. Sam, you can kick us off as, because you're wearing that jersey and because of what happened over the weekend, you can kick us off. I've just got one thing to say. We are Sydney, the famous Sydney FC. We're from the Harbour City. The girls. I've muted her. Did you mute me, Marissa? My obvious, you love to see it, is Sydney FC winning the Premiership. Oh my gosh, what an amazing moment for the club. The third consecutive Premiership, the first time any club has ever done it, and they did it in such style as well. They, they absolutely dominated their final game against the Newcastle Jets. Every player was exceptional. Mackenzie Hawksby, Courtney Vine, and particularly Sarah Hunter. And there was one moment right towards the end of the game, it was literally the last play of the game in this stoppage time Sarah Hunter threaded this extraordinary pass through two lines of Newcastle players to find Courtney Vine to score the fourth goal it was just the most classy beautiful kind of play that I think totally summarized Sydney FC's season this team is amazing the fact that they have an average age of just 21 and that they have achieved this uh, in these kinds of circumstances, it's just, it's amazing. Ante Juric, the head coach, really does not get enough credit for what he has done with this club since he took over in 2017. The fact that we've got so many Matildas who have blossomed coming through Sydney FC and that obviously we are going to continue to see them in the likes of Indiana DeSantos, for example, who became the youngest ever goal scorer in the club's history a couple of weeks ago. Like, this club is amazing and this is a well sort of, um, like even though it's like a historic moment for them, I still don't feel like people really appreciate how significant it is and how much incredible work they've really done behind the scenes. I know we've talked about it in the past, but I just have to keep ranting about it because it's amazing. Anyway, I've talked on too long ago. So yes, Sydney FC winning the premiership third time in a row. You love to see it. I'm sorry for muting you, but I'm also not going to apologize. Harrow, what did you love to see from this weekend? Oh, it's an obvious one. Uh, the Mac is back. I think if there's one player that can stop Sydney FC, like by just going on a tear through this final series, it's Holly McNamara. Uh, Dara Vidasic told her, you're going on a plane with the Matildas at 2.30. I want to take you off at halftime. She said, please don't take me off. And he said, that's it, but you're coming off at 60 minutes. That's your maximum because we've got to look after you. So what she does, she has um, two assists, uh, these amazing like bursts down the right wing, cutbacks for Hannah Wilkinson and Rihanna Polisina. And then I think it's the 59th minute, she's about to get subbed off, she gets away on the break and, um, yeah, quite extraordinary. Poor Chloe Lincoln, like not much she could do about it. It's one-on-one and McNamara just does this audacious little chip, um, 
just to sort of round out a brilliant performance before getting subbed off and uh, getting ready to go on a plane. Um, fantastic to see her back in the Matildas fold. Fantastic to see how well she's recovered from that ACL tear. Um, I think the Matilda's going to be better off for having her, especially with later boot discussion um, in attack. And she has just made Melbourne City better again. Um, yeah, you love to see good players out there, not injured. <laughs> and you love to see a player like Holly McNamara, who's one of the, the real generational talents we've got going and doing her thing. Yeah, you love to see it. There's a Chips and Big Mac joke in there somewhere, but I'm not smart enough to think of it right now. Angela, what did you love to see from this weekend? I love to see Hannah Keane round out her inaugural season in the A-League Women's with a brace um, in West, well, is it the Western Square, Western Derby? I don't know what we're calling it from now on. Um, But anyway, yes, Western have had, you know, patchy you know, second half of the season, but they rounded it out in style with a two-win, two-one win over the Wanderers. And yep, Hannah Keane, she got two more goals to make her total tally of 13 and is now this season's golden boot, which is just a fantastic achievement. Um, given, like I said, this is her first season in the league. So you love to see um unlikely suspects getting opportunities in the A-League women and proving themselves. And yeah, Hannah Keane's a great example of that so congratulations to her and yeah the goals one was with the bonds of a corner tall gal supremacy and the second was just like a very just muscled away around a defender great placement um yeah so both one with bonds when one with the foot hannah keen doing hannah keen things you love to see it friend of the pod hannah keen we absolutely do love to see it Real quick, you'll love to see it's from me. I had a look at the um, goal of the week that obviously the A-Leagues put out every week. They do a little video compilation. You vote in it. Literally every goal this week was a banger. So obviously we had Holly Max chip, but Molina is against Western, uh, not Western, Wellington. Four. Amazing. Alana Murphy's free kick. Incredible. And Mackenzie Hawksby's chip as well that poor Georgie Worth was trying to bat away, but absolutely could not. Just four absolute bangers. We absolutely love to see it, but... Let us recap the final regular season results. We had the two midweek games where Wellington defeated Adelaide United 3-1. Sydney made sure that they were looking very good in the Premier's Plate race with a 4-2 win over Perth. Then Victory and Wellington drew 2-2 on the weekend. Western United, as we just said, won the Western Girlie Derby over... Derby? God. The Western Girlie Derby over the Wanderers 2-1. Perth had a 1-0 win over Brisbane. Sydney, what did I do? No time. Just derby. <laughs> derby. I don't derby know what chat. happened. I derby. What derby. Happened. Is derby vroom vroom? Is that still a derby? Derby's from Western Australia. They call I... Fremantle West Coast the derby. Derby. I don't know what happened. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, Sydney capped off their Premier's plate with the 4-0 win over Newcastle and then Melbourne City and Canberra played out a ridiculous 3-3 draw to round things out and leave the, like, makeup of the top four right till the very, very end. But let's talk about the important games. Harry, you've got your hand up. What would you like to say? Pre-discussing the games, um, a quicker, I think, shout-out to the chaos of the dub. So working out that none of the points deduction dramas contributed to, A, the Premier's plate, B, the finals makeup. Because can you... Imagine if Western had got on top. We would have heard it from Sam and her Sydney FC cohort forever that they was you know wrong. It. 
You know it, it baby. <laughs> yep. They didn't get those they didn't get those free points off Canberra when Weston got those uh those free three points out of the the Brisbane Royal game. So I'm glad and I think Danny Townsend and Co are very, very glad that this finals makeup and the Premier's plate was not decided by that. So just a little Look, shout out to everyone uh, for making sure that didn't happen. Well done to the universe for making sure we didn't <laughs> have to sit through all of that, basically. But let's talk a little bit about Sydney's Premier Plate. Sam said it. Ante Juric loves to say it. Literally anyone who's ever donned a Sydney FC jersey loves to talk it. So let's give Sydney FC some credit because they have done something that no other A-League women's club has done before. Three straight Premier's Plates. They have topped the season in back-to-back-to-back seasons. I suppose even though, you know, we talked about Western United had an absolutely incredible first up season, they were well in this race the entire time. The points deductions and reinstatements kind of made everything a bit crazy. But at the end of the day, does it really feel surprising that we have ended this season with Sydney FC on top of the ladder? No, and I think this one's worth more than any of the others because uh, they had to travel a lot more. Um they and it was a longer season, so they had to play catch up as well. Western got off to such a hot start, and Sydney sort of reeled them in. Um, and they obviously had to deal with some injuries. Every team has to deal with injuries, but um, you know, your players go on international break, those sorts of things. Um, there's a bit of lack of continuity with like Remy Simpson coming, Remy Simpson going. Um, but the way their mid young midfielders stepped up, and the way their defence has has really stepped up. I think you look at McLean in particular, who. Geez, that fracture has really, really hampered her these last few weeks. Like, it has been a long time on the sidelines for something that looked like it was going to be a month or three to four weeks initially. So hopefully she's okay. But, yeah, I think they deserve the most credit for this one. Um, I think they've uh, it, the way that they've actually managed to get the best out of Rachel Lowe, we talked about her a couple of weeks ago. Like, if you're another team, you come hard for her. Um, they have not been so reliant on Mackenzie Hawksby as a result. And I think she's played better the last few weeks in particular without having to be that attacking fulcrum all the time. Um, yeah, I, I, I very high. Like Ante, you're, you look at it, his record speaks for itself. I think they'll all just be fanging now to get the championship. They look the best placed of any Sydney FC team the last couple of years win the championship. They looked better placed. Uh, for a little while there where it looked like Canberra United might punt victory out of the finals um, because that's just the one hurdle they'll have to overcome. And I, But I reckon if you're Sydney FC, you're saying, come on, let's get Melbourne victory through to the grand final against us and let's put this one to bed. I reckon that's how they'll want to do it. I reckon they'll want to, um, as much as you, yeah, I think that's what they'll want to see. They'll want to see the, the team that's vanquished in the last two seasons in the decider and just say, nah. But yeah, I, I think they deserve all the all the credit for what they've done. Um, geez, it's helped that Courtney Vine's not nicked off to Europe, um, and geez, it helps that they are so far ahead of the other teams in New South Wales in terms of attracting, developing, retaining talent. Um, there's not the split compared to in Melbourne, where City are pretty good at grabbing some, Victory grab some, and now you've got Western grabbing some, and that's partially a huge credit to Sydney FC and Ante and the program they've put in place, and the players and the environment that they've built. They talk about how fun they, how much fun they have, how much they enjoy playing together. It's obviously super competitive. They've nurtured players like you had Taylor Ray sitting behind Teresa Polias, and then you had, you know, like Sarah Hunter sitting behind Taylor Ray, and we had Claire Wheeler pop up. Like they've consistently developed. But Jesus, it's an indictment on uh, the rest of the the teams in the area as well that they've not been able to to grab a bit of the magic. So, 
yeah, it's yeah, like I said, it's full credit to Sydney FC. You you just you get out what you put in. Um, I'm going to be really really interested to see what happens next season post World Cup, whether they're able to attract Matildas back or whether we see more players go. Okay, like a Courtney Munger. Okay, playing the World Cup. Now's my time to go. It's it's going to be super interesting. But yeah, as I said, full credit to yeah a brilliant program. Yeah, you summarised it so well, Harry. I think it's it's such a testament to the longer term project of this club and of Ante in particular that that this squad has been developed always with an eye on the future. Like I remember a couple of seasons ago when they had <clears throat> like Legazzo, Caitlin Ford, Alana Kennedy. And when all we had that sort of big um, exportation of Matildas, Sydney FC was really one of the only clubs who didn't suffer that much as a result of it because they always had players in and around who they knew could step into those shoes and step into those roles. And you mentioned it right there, like even just focusing on one particular position, like defensive midfield, we had a Teresa Polias and then a Claire Wheeler and then a Taylor Ray. And now we've got a Shay Holman who's stepping up into those positions as well. Like it's that just the depth just keeps going and going and going. And so when I think about next season, yeah, if Courtney Vine goes to Europe, awesome. Good for her. I mean, she's probably going to get better football, more competitive football. She's going to improve as a player. It also means there's going to be another opportunity for another young player to step into that role and to flourish and to become the next Courtney Vine. Because remember when Courtney Vine came to Sydney FC, everyone was like, who's this? Like she was at Newcastle for a bit. She scored that goal of the season once. And then she was at the Wanderers. She didn't really do much. She was sort of like a, like a nobody similar to Mackenzie Hawksby and Charlotte McLean and all these players who Ante has plucked from nowhere and has just created an environment that's allowed them to actually get the best out of themselves. It's an extraordinary thing to do. And that's exactly what a head coach should be doing like yeah there's all the tactics and whatever but your responsibility first and foremost is to try and make each and every player under your control as good as they can possibly be and Mackenzie Hawksby is probably the most extraordinary example of what happens when you actually give a player confidence in themselves and you play them in a way that makes them flourish she's been I think one of the best midfielders in the dub for the last two years because she's just been she's been given the chance to be you know what I mean um, yeah, it's I, I could talk about Sydney FC for hours, but I, no. it's just it's such a pleasure. <laughs> I know, weird, weird, right? Me. Um, it's it's just it's such a pleasure to watch them have this moment, and it's such a pleasure to have seen that this is the this is the outcome of a process that started a long time ago, and it really it should be the model that all other clubs go for with this kind of thing because this like Sydney and. I think Western to a certain extent as well. They both provide the blueprint for what the, the dub needs to be. It's about creating a greenhouse for Australian talent to emerge. And both of these clubs seem to be doing it in their own different kinds of ways, but they're achieving essentially the same goal, which is maximising Australian players. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I really, really hope they go and do the championship as well. Then they do the double, um, particularly given the storyline, particularly given the heartbreak of last season. Um, and I know there was some really good banter during the, the finals launch the other day uh, with Kayla Morrison in particular, Melbourne Victory captain, saying uh, some pretty choice words um, about how lovely it would be to uh, to snatch the championship away from Sydney FC, even though there's any other form team coming into finals. Uh, yeah, so it's it's going to be fantastic. That's it, just, it's uh, like, what more can you say about this club? They've basically done everything that you want them to do. Except win grand finals the last like few years despite a sustained period of dominance. That's what they have to do. 
They're like, that I is think we talked about it pre-season. That, is, that was the box they had to tick. Um, yep. So as I say, such a, I, I just banged on about what an achievement this third premiership in a row was. But Australian sport, you've got to be winning championships as well. Um, and it does, the fact that they haven't the past two years doesn't take away from any of the other fantastic things that they've done. Um, but, geez, you, they got to do it. Um, and I'll be really yeah. curious if they do win. Does does Ante look to take his talents elsewhere, like look for the next step? Or does he want to create like a dynasty in that sense? Like I'll be really interested to see what happens there. I've mentioned the player movement. Um, I think they, yeah, some of these players that they got at Sydney would be insane not to, to look at what they can do. And it has been one of their great strengths is that they are system-based. It's something that both Sydney and Victory have had as their strengths, right? You have a consistent person at the helm who's a very good coach. Players come through knowing what's expected of them and they can step up into roles. They know exactly what they're going to do. So, yeah, it'll be, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge credit to them. But now they've got to go and finish the job. Yeah. Why did my brain go to, like, the last great Ante Yurik dynasty when you said that. Anyway, sorry. Taylor Swift reference for those. Um, I just want to say that I will be absolutely fucking furious if Sydney do not win the grand final. Thank you. <laughs> I just, I've had enough. Just do it already, please. For the love of God. Like, I'm just, I don't, I, I can, I don't even know if this is, this is probably a terrible thing to say as a Vuck fan, but like, I don't, like if if the Vuck win again from fourth, I I what is what is happening? What who has placed a curse on Sydney FC? It's what is dub. going on? I just it's not a curse. It's just the chaos of the dub. Got to take your chances. If mm-hmm. Melbourne Victory I, win the championship again, it'll be. Very I funny. am I am quitting <laughs> entirely. I'm I'm packing up my house. I'm selling all my shit and I'm moving to the Pacific. Sam, and can I tell you what the sitting in a hammock and sipping coconuts and because that's the only that's the only thing that will bring me any joy. Can I tell you what the danger life. sign the danger sign is, Sam, for you? Mm, when we look at the we we this is a little segue to we'll talk about form. Melbourne Victory scraped into the finals basically because instead of winning, they were drawing a lot, right? Do you mm-hmm. know what you can't do in finals? Yep. Sure do. Anyone's here not really up to date on the rules? You, you can't draw in finals. It goes to extra time, and then if that doesn't work out, it goes to penalties. Um, Melbourne victory historically quite good in extra time. Um, that's a bit scary. That really bodes well for some non-chaotic finals football. Um, but yeah, uh, Sydney are clearly the form team, right? Like. Melbourne City are like in form for a half and then Holly McNamara goes off and then they almost crumble against two. I thought Canberra were the form team just about Barcelona yeah. FC coming into this finals thing. They, um, it was interesting talking to uh, their coach post-match and it's like you go, oh, do you look at those two 5-0 losses or do you look at the the comeback, uh, Perth's comeback win over them as to what decided it? Or There's so many little what-ifs. Um know about the points deduction drama but Sydney FC clearly the form team coming in um to finals does it just continue that way or has this international break is it timed really well to allow a couple of well the other three teams let's be honest to reset and settle and actually make a charge like an example for you know like you've got Melbourne City who've been sort of hit 
on and off with injuries and international appearances. Victory are still finding their groove after losing KK and Chids for different reasons in the space of a couple of weeks. Um, and Western really needed that win, let's be honest, before the um, before going into the break. Is it just inevitable, Sydney FC momentum-wise, or does it feel like other teams can pick it up and kick into gear, I suppose? I just feel like, I don't know, everyone's going to get to have a little rest, right? But that that's including Sydney FC. So I don't know how much can actually transform for those teams um, in the meantime. I suppose Western are the best positioned because, I yeah, like City, that City-Canberra game, the vibes afterwards were rancid. Like both teams were so depressed and I was – I completely understand why Canberra were, but you could tell with City like that they were not happy with their performance, that they wanted to get a win and they let Canberra claw themselves back so close to like a win. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's much that they could do in the interim. Um, yeah, I don't – and victory, like the, I, I still feel like victory happened – like you said, Harrow completely found what they're about this season. Whereas, like the end of last season, you could kind you could see what they were doing and what they were trying to do. But the abs the, those key absences, it's just like I don't know, coasting for the most part. So, yeah, I think rest and recuperation can only do so much. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly don't know the answer to this question because, like, number one, finals are always chaos. And number two, I don't know. It almost, I think, in in, the, in this situation of particularly City and Sydney, I think it's going to depend on how their Matildas return to the league. If Courtney Vine and Holly McNamara pick up an injury over there, <laughs> like touching every single piece of wood that exists in the universe, um it could it, that could be a hammer blow for both of them because both teams are so not dependent on but they those are their two biggest attacking weapons really they're pretty um, dependent on Sam like we saw last year City fell in a heap after Holly McNamara went down and was it the year before yeah. where Courtney Vine had the knee injury I want to say and they just lack that yeah. that punch and spark right so it's like yeah. they're pretty dependent <laughs> like yeah absolutely um, and I think we saw that when Melbourne City were without Holly McNamara this season, they they just weren't they just weren't the same. You know, I think I think Sydney maybe were able to address that a little bit better. And we saw, for example, when like with a Madison Haley getting injured and Rachel Lowe stepping into that role, like there is a little bit more depth, I suppose, in that sense for for Sydney FC as opposed to Melbourne City. But like things are so tight, and because there is this break now, but like all four teams outside of their Matildas players have an opportunity to have a bit of a rest and a bit of a reset. Um, but again, like it's and by virtue of the the sort of expanded finals format as well, like Sydney and Western United both have a second bite at the cherry um, if they sort of don't get through the first stage, they lose the first game. Um, then they will go to the preliminary final against the winner of the Melbourne Derby. So, yeah, I don't like, but this is the reason we love it, right? Like literally anything could happen in these circumstances. It's, it's, it's complete chaos and that's what we want. And that's why finals are great. Like I, I'm increasingly such a big fan of finals because it, it's the most exciting stuff and it should be the situation that any team can beat any other team. That's how it should be. 
there shouldn't be a team who's absolutely just going to barrel through everybody and it's not going to be any fun and there's not going to be any drama to it. It should be this way. It should make people want to watch it to see what happens, you know? We love chaos. We do. I've literally started every episode for, I feel like, the last six weeks with how about the chaos in the dark? Unbelievable. But you did mention we've got those finals dates locked in for directly after the international break. So like we said, there's a Melbourne Derby elimination final on Saturday afternoon down in Casey Field. So that one's going to be spicy because the last few derbies, derby finals have all been very, very fun. So that'll be really great. And then obviously Sydney hosting Western United in the semi-final with that double chance as Sam just mentioned on Sunday afternoon. So there's lots to look forward to post-international break in the dub. Anyone else not huge on that derby being at uh, Casey Fields? I know City get to Fucking host the game. Why? But geez, why is this happening? Why if you, is it I imagine Melbourne City get to pick as the higher qualified team, Casey Fields is their home this year. But, geez, if you want to get a angel? crowd, yeah, well, it's been used for, surely it's being used for footy a lot as well. Like the Ds would be training out there. You'd have VFL getting involved out there. If I, I mean, I know they train out there out that way too, but, geez, if, I, if I'm the league, I'd have been looking saying, nah, get it closer yeah. to the city. Absolutely. See where you you know, one of the other options, but yeah. Amy yeah, Park, they're called Melbourne City, not center. Cranbourne. Sorry. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not huge on it. Um, it was interesting. It, it sort of happened the same week where, you, Sam, you'd have got to feel the full ele- elephant in the room at the finals launch where you had, mm-hmm. <laughs> you all got kept waiting, I heard, uh, because the three teams had to come up from Melbourne for the finals yeah, launch. Yeah, coincidentally one enough, team yeah. from Sydney because of the grand final being held in Sydney. It was just all in the space of two days. I was like, finals launch in Sydney when you've got one team there. And then um, also this, the Casey Fields thing. It's just, I just struggle to see how you maximise a crowd getting out to Casey. It's, uh, and you yeah. know what's even funnier about the A-League's finals launch? So where, where it was held was at a, uh, in a conference room at the uh, Museum of Contemporary Art around Circular Quay in Sydney. And Could you see the specific- bridge? Could there you was, see the well, opera house? So this is the story, right? There was a specific room that was chosen on the harbour front for like really great photo opportunities of all the iconic uh, pieces of um, architecture in Sydney. But what ended up happening is when we all showed up on the day, there was a huge fucking cruise ship in the way. <laughs> <laughs> so all That's the photos baby. have this huge cruise ship in front of the opera house and the harbour bridge. So you can't even see the iconic Sydney buildings that this fucking agreement was built upon maximizing oh man thanks <laughs> destination new south wales <laughs> oh, it's oh. like the universe is like this is actually terrible i'm going to remind you all that this is a terrible decision in various <laughs> ways various ways <laughs> i have strong opinions about the casey field stuff as well which i can say like maybe if we debrief the season because it's the thing but my main thing is like i have no, I'm not. I'm gonna get into it another time. But I just like there's layers to it. It's not just the fact that it's like in Casey Fields because I'm not anti dubbers as like we we like the dubbers on this podcast. There's reasons. Anyway, I'm yeah, I'm not a fan of it. And <sighs> mini boot. That was a mini boot to Casey Fields. This is the big boot. It's to Caitlin Ford's hamstring specifically. What the hell, bro? 
Why? Why would you do that? And Alana Kennedy seemingly being made out of glass at the moment. She's just had the most rotten run. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw her play in any jersey, let alone a Matilda's one. And it feels like, you know how you can have recency bias? The opposite is happening to Alana Kennedy. Because the more you talk to people about Alana Kennedy, the more people are like, oh, but we've got Folks and Claire Hunt. Alana Kennedy, what does she do? And you're like, oh, come on, man. Have some respect. <laughs> like, there's a reason why she is at Man City, because she's a very good centre-back. We know every player has their flaws. But Alana Kennedy, if fit and if playing, is clearly in the Matilda squad. Not necessarily starting, because... She's had this run. But you need a player like that, a leader like that, a popular, experienced defender. We are not, we are not like, stocked up on centre-backs. So it's uh, it's really worrying for me that she just cannot get a run at it. It's really concerning. Yeah, Caitlin Ford has done a hammy. Hopefully it's not too long. Um, it didn't seem chaotic. It seemed like the sort of one where she got it and went, oh, it's a hammy. And hopefully... We don't see her on sideline for too long. Um, it's annoying in the sense that she won't play these couple of friendlies. Arsenal wouldn't have won the two, even if she was fit, even if it was a little bit of tightness, I reckon. Um, hopefully it's a pretty standard hammy and she's past that soon. It'll be interesting to see how other players can fill the Caitlin Ford role um, in the upcoming friendlies. We'll talk about it, given how well she's in the next pod, given how well she's played alongside Sam Kerr. But it's really flattening, I think, for Alana Kennedy. who looked like she was getting back, was player of the match, her first full game back for Man City. And it just they just keep getting described as like niggling injuries. I know she had the bad shoulder one, but a lot of the others just seem to be that you're getting back, you're conditioning, and then you break down. And then you have something else happen. Then you have something else happen. And it's, yeah, it's not that she's not running out of time, but Jesus, not that far off. This is a second last window, right? So... And the other window is <laughs> it's like yeah not good that's what's starting to concern me actually <clears throat> i tweeted about this as well i was like i i i think the last time alana kennedy played was literally last year it was the canada uh, series in september right and so like when we're thinking about the the kind of run that you want the matildas to be going on at their clubs in terms of coming into the world cup in good form like Kennedy is really, she's just shot down the bottom of the list in terms of players who you can have confidence are going to be coming into this tournament in good nick. Because um, like it, trying to maintain injuries is one thing, but actually match fitness is is quite a different kind of thing altogether. Um, so that's why, you know, having to see the slow progress of certain players returning from injury, like you have to really give them time in order to get back up to speed with all these kinds of things. And because she's been out, like... Credit to Football Australia. They've been flying her into camps, even though she hasn't been playing, she hasn't been featuring in any of the games. She's still in and around the players. She's still in and around tactics and video sessions and all that sort of stuff just to presumably keep her up to speed. But if she's like, if she's not there physically, then, you know, I'm starting to be a little bit like, well, what's going to happen? And, like, Matilda McNamara has been brought in as a replacement mm-hmm. for this uh, European series, which, you know, I suppose can be a, a good thing. Um, and But now that we've seen that Claire Hunt does a really fantastic job in that role anyway. Maybe the centre-back pairing that we thought we were going to have at the Women's World Cup is actually going to be Polkinghorne and Claire Hunt Two instead players. of Polkinghorne and Kennedy. Yeah, the Claire Squared, um, Claire which, Squared. you know, which is a good, it's a good, it's a good thing to have. It's a good problem to have, right? It's, a, it's like, because six months ago, we 
were panicking about what, what this could Ivy potentially Lurk mean. Ivy Claire Falkinghorn. Ivy Lurk and Claire Falkinghorn, the you know, biggest uh, and youngest uh, central defensive pairing. But it will extend to, and we'll probably talk about it as we get into Matildas, like Hayley Razzo and Mary Fowler are only getting some minutes off the bench. It's mm. Man City. Why? Um, Why? 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 <laughs> There's so yeah, a injury. Boot, big boot to injuries. Far out. I'm not having any of yours. But like you said, Matilda McNamara and Amy Sayer have been called into the squad in place of those two. So very interesting times ahead. But let's end with some quick how goods. Sam, you were very excited about this how good. You were like, someone needs to say it. So please <laughs> share this how good. Uh, so, yes. Okay. So uh, bouncing off Caitlin Ford at Arsenal, anyone who was up at a reasonable time a couple of nights ago would have watched the Arsenal-Man City game. It was one of the most amazing games of WSL football I have ever watched. And it was largely because of Katie McCabe. Uh, shout out to friend of the pod, Eric, who is just obsessed with Katie McKay, particularly after what she's just done. Uh, I tweeted about this as well. This was uh, a match that Arsenal really needed to win if they want to try and keep touch with the top of the table and, and maintain their title ambitions. Uh, it started off in the first half with Katie McCabe uh, receiving a yellow card for bonking Chloe Kelly on the head with the ball because Kelly wouldn't get out of the way fast enough of a throw in. So, so McCabe just went and just like bonk, just bonked her. Just, I was like, the most, I was like, are you five? I, it's, I can't believe that this is a professional is doing this. So she, and then towards the back end of the game, it was one one, and then Katie McCabe. I don't know how, like, she's just the most extraordinary human being in the whole universe. She, uh, the, Arsenal have to take a short corner. McCabe cuts the ball across her body and absolutely rockets it into the net to win the game. It was just the most beautiful, chaotic arc of narrative for a single player in one game that I've ever seen. I'm so excited to see her play against the Matildas. I hope that she does similarly chaotic things. Without the banger. Bit, like, Without the banger, without the banger, ideally, but just for the meme potential, just for the band's potential, because like this is like these kinds of personalities are the like it's why you love this sport, you know, like these just crazy people who sometimes do crazy things on the field, and then they just and that's what you remember them for. Like it's yeah, it was amazing. So Katie McCabe basically single handedly uh, shaping one of the best games in the WSL this season. <laughs> How good! A, a bonking how good. <laughs> it's so deeply funny to me. And it would be remiss of us to not end with the biggest, well, not the biggest how good, but it's pretty big how good. We have our World Cup kits and it's very, very exciting. We've got a beautiful yellow shocker uh, home kit and this really... Sorry, uh, Marissa, that's, yeah. that's wattle to you. Oh, my, my sincerest apologies to whatever poor Boffin had to, like, somehow work wattle into that. I I want to live, like, I want to spend Nike factory. I want to spend a day with the person who has to come up with those paragraphs because I want what they're drinking or smoking or whatever it happens to be because it makes me laugh. But we've got the yellow home kit, which is obviously about wattle in Australia and things like that. And then we've got the away kit, which is this blue colour. It's actually really nice. They've both really grown on me. The content that's come out of the Matildas in this new kit, I don't know about you guys, but it is speaking to me very loudly and I'm a lot more hyped having seen it in the Matildas socials than I was on the Nike ones. And can I have a how good for it? You sure can. Um, my, how, my how good is that finally 
they've listened to me and me alone and definitely no one else. Uh, baby, toddler, kids, kits. I think they're called infant and little kids kits. Finally, if people have kids or, I don't know, me, like nieces or uh, nephews or, I don't know, just babies, whatever, who cares? Everyone can have a Tilly's kit. How was this so hard? We have fought for so long. And finally, um, you can brainwash your kids into watching the Tillies and Socceroos. How good. And their full kit as well. They get the, the cold shirt, the green shorts and the white socks. You really can't lose. You absolutely cannot lose. The green shorts, they make me so happy. Angela, what is your quick fire take on the kits? Do you love them? Are you whelmed by them or do you hate them with a burning passion? I'm whelmed. I just, yeah, I'm going to be real. I haven't been overly inspired by look at portraits but we will get into that with like a proper you know kit chat video um and go through the ones that we like and we don't like but yeah I I actually I like I kind of like the branding and how Nike have um like yeah market on social media the way that they've um presented the kits um and I do actually quite like the ferns one to be honest. I know we're not chatting mm. all of them today, Fern's but one the Ferns one's real nice. But as I said in the group chat, it does look like Hannah Wilkinson is kicking Gabby Rennie in, in, in the nether regions. And I'm just like, <laughs> did not know, did no one pick up on that? Did no one know? Okay. Maybe you're not all children and you don't have your heads in the gutter, but that's- <laughs> Katie McKay would I, pick up on it, I reckon. Yes. Yes. Katie McKay would be on my side. Um, <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not running to the shops. I'm not putting money aside, you know, for the Australian ones just yet. But also I'm, I'm, I don't know, I can be easily persuaded. You guys will probably buy one and I'll get FOMO and I'll be like, mm, oh, okay, I'm going to get it off or whatever. So we'll see. We'll see. I've already bought the Tilly's kit and the Ferns kit because I'm a silly little what? goose. But like we said, there will be we bought some kit chat. As well. Actually, and- <laughs> oh, you go, Harry. No, I bought kits as well. Uh, then nothing will ever replace the spew kit, the Tilly spew kit in my heart, to be honest. I think I'm always going to be biased. That one and the Socceroos 14-15 kit are the, the two that live above all others in my heart. So it's hard to hard to live up to them. But yeah, I did still grab a couple be. because they're from the Tillies at a home World Cup. So. Damn it, you've convinced me, Harrow. <laughs> I really and, should. And Marissa, you're finally, talking about the green tracky pants. The green tracker pants? Apparently June-ish. I want. Apparently June-ish. So mark it in your diaries if you want green short trackies. I know that sentence is ridiculous, Circle but all I of don't June care. Calendar, <laughs> Maybe a bit of July, a yeah. little bit of May, just to be sure. Just in case. But like we said, there will be kit chat. There will be Tilly's chat. There will be A-League Women's final chat. There is so much more coming up and we can't wait to get into all of it. But thank you so much for listening. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, leave a review and subscribe so you get the episodes directly onto your listening device. If you want to have a chat to us, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see ya! Thank you.